Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Okay, so um, this morning was a, it's been a little bit of a hectic start to this morning for us. We had a number of things that seem to have gone wrong. The, the toilet is blocked um, and... It's not pretty, I'm afraid. Um, so that happened, and then the heating, the boiler suddenly broke as well. So, I, you know, I need my hot shower in the morning just to just to get me going. So, uh, I'm not out of shower. Um, I'll tell you that now, but I'll put lots of deodorant on. So it, it, it felt like things were going on. Then we had a bit of a technical thing going on, but um, we're not letting God. Uh, well, God is too strong, isn't He? He can overcome any of those little uh, attacks of the devil, um, and it's working now. So great. Right, so I'm going to talk to you this morning, I'm going to just carry on from where Owen started last week, sort of a part two really, Um, and it's about creating a culture of inviting people to church, so that's what we're going to look at. So a few weeks ago I had a meeting with some of my food bank team leaders, all of whom go to different churches in the local area. Now I'm really grateful for my team, they are fantastic Individuals, they really helped me. They're really passionate about food bank. And as usual, we discussed some of the issues we talk about. We talk about ending food poverty, big things like that. But we also talk about our volunteers, any needs there. Is there anyone um, that needs prayer, any prayer requests, any praise reports? And then I moved on to, have we actually invited anyone from food bank to church? Has anyone got any stories of that? And I wasn't really prepared for the response that I received. One lady said, I wouldn't ever invite anyone to my church. My church is way too unfriendly. And the other lady said, do you know, Food Bank is church. Why do I need to invite anyone to church? I was a little bit stunned by this. We had a little bit of a lively discussion um, that followed, but I didn't want to you know, make it too unprofessional, so I just brought it back in. And I'm not sure I really had an answer for it straight away either. I was like, oh, I know I do it, but why? Why do I do it? Um, Nobody could see the benefits of inviting people to church, or there was just a different idea of what church was. So I returned home from this meeting and my mind was racing. It kept me awake for most of the night. I, you know, I, I let Petra know all my thoughts and then I just was trying to, trying to sleep. But I was like, why is, it? Is, why is it so important to me to invite people to church? Then my brain almost exploded uh, a week later when I went to the Trussell Trust Regional Conference. I heard some stats there that said only 30% of food bank managers thought faith was the driving motivation for what they do. Now I've been sensing that quite a lot of food banks in the country have been going in a a bit of a a different direction to to, to me and maybe ours. But again, just hearing these figures really left me quite, quite shocked. And I thought... If I'm inviting people to church, if that's so central to what I do, and seemingly against the culture of other food banks and my own team, then I've got to look deeper as to what the motivation, what is my motivation, what is it that drives me? I knew, I, I knew it worked, but I just couldn't quite put my finger on it. So Owen's invitation to, to speak today on the subject was just the incentive that I needed to explore it further. Okay, let's pray. 
Yeah, Father God, thank you uh, for laying this on my heart. And I just really ask that uh, you will come by power today, that you will, um, your spirit will be evident, that you will guide me in what I say. And we just pray that uh, your message will be delivered to the people here as you, as you want it to be delivered. Pray that you will guide me and strengthen me. Amen. This is the little bit of reverb you said if I, move, if I moved it forward might happen. I've got it really high today. I feel like one of those old-fashioned preachers and I'm actually talking a, doing a quote from Charles Spurgeon in a minute. So I can imagine myself as the, at, at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in front of thousands of people. But we're a bit smaller than that. I can imagine. Okay. Um, so what are we talking about? In the church. In processing why I, I thought it was so important to invite people to church, you'll be pleased to know that the starting point I'm going to look at is the Bible. Good place to start. What does it say about the church? What makes it so unique? So that's where I'm going to start in a minute. We'll then look at some of the challenges that we face when inviting people to church, and then we'll look at some of the possible solutions. And finally, I want to encourage you with some examples of how God has transformed lives in this church and through his church. So why should we be inviting people to church? I want to start with this Bible verse, as I believe that God has really spoken to me during the week on this particular subject. So it should be up there behind me, but it is John chapter 1, verse 43 to 51, and this is going to be the NIV UK version. Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel. The next day... Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite, Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting and you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Sometimes I think, we can really overcomplicate things when, when actually it can be really quite simple. I love Philip's response to Nathaniel's scepticism. If you don't believe me, come and see for yourself. Well, Philip doesn't say come to church because there was no recognised church at the time, but he does say come and meet Jesus. And we've got our own sort of story of Nathaniel in the church, and many of you have checked and it's okay to share this story, but I think we all know story of Jennifer and how she responded to a simple invitation to church. The truth is she couldn't wait to come to church when she heard about it. She knew she would meet Jesus if she did, and she encountered him as soon as she walked through that door and left that day having given her life to him. Charles Spurgeon, I told you I was going to speak about Spurgeon, in his 633rd sermon when preaching from the Metropolitan Tabernacle, said this. I'm going to read it to you. Now, I love this passage. It's, it's a little bit humorous, I find, but just try and get through that because it's a really, really powerful message through it. 
What do you go to God's house for? Is it to have your ears tickled? Do you go to the place of worship that you might admire the eloquence of man? Go to your theatre or your senate if this is your desire. Such places are the legitimate arena for display. Come not to God's house for that. There we should resort to learn to pray. We should come that we may, in the words of our text, see, see ourselves, and better still, see the Lord Jesus. This should be the first inquiry as we go up the steps of the place of meeting. Sirs, we would find Jesus. And if Jesus is not to be seen, no matter how brilliant the display of fireworks in which the sermonizer may indulge you, that is not the proper place in which to spend the precious hours of Sunday. We would see Jesus. We would know what, it must be to do, what we must do to be saved. Observe then, observe carefully, keep your eyes open, not only to the world of nature, but to the book of God and the lives of his people. And thus, come and see. So I love the, the brutal honesty in which Spurgeon approaches this subject. He's saying if Jesus isn't there, then we've got better ways to spend our Sunday. Also, wouldn't that be brilliant if uh, on the welcome team you'd hear, Sirs, we would come to see Jesus every Sunday when people came in. I'm certain that no one has come here to see my eloquence as a speaker, but I do hope many have come to meet Jesus today. So last week, a quick refresh on Owen uh, and his talk, he talked about creating a culture of community. He used five foundational scriptures to show us how within the community of the church, God can heal the broken and then he can, they, they can then be used in turn to heal others. He revealed that God dwells in this community where people are transformed and that he is always speaking. We heard that discipleship is always occurring through hearing the word of God and that Sundays are special and that we live with the prophetic promise and that we have a mission, part of which is to build a place where God dwells. Now I believe, you know, certainly at least in part, that this is what Spurgeon was referring to when he talks about Jesus being present. The church is a community where God dwells and where people can see Jesus. We've recently finished running an Alpha course and in the last session it's entitled What About Church? In the Alpha video, Nikki Gumbel pulls out five simple truths from the Bible to help illustrate why church is so radiant and so transformative. The first point is that church is friends. It's a place where we have friends. In John's Gospel, Jesus says, we are no longer servants, but we are to be called friends. Not only are we friends with God, but he calls us to have a friendship with one another. I remember last year when I spoke to you about the Greek word for fellowship, which is koinonia, and I certainly know that at this church I have a, a level of friendship that is far, far, far deeper than I've experienced anywhere else. These are the deep friendships that people can experience when they come to church. The church is also family. Everyone who believes in Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, says in John 1. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. As well. God's intention was not to was to bring the whole human race together as a family, united around Christ. So no matter how dysfunctional our own families are, we have a new family in Christ. The church is also home. 
Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens of God, with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole temple is joined together and rises to become the temple of the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by spirit. This was uh, from Ephesians, and it should have been up there behind me. In the Old Testament, the physical temple was God's home. It was the place of his presence. But in the New Testament, it's not a physical building. It's a building made up of us people. Paul, in his letter to Ephesians, speaks about holy temple. He says, you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, then I am among them. As we gather together as a church, sometimes people will sense an atmosphere. They're sensing the Holy Spirit. There is a deep longing that can be filled when that happens. And it's like coming home. The church is also the body. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you are part of it. In Corinthians, it speaks about Jesus being the head of the church and the church is the body. The two are inseparable. Now I know when I invite people to church, all I have to do is introduce them to members of the church and God will work through his church. I know that the body of the church will carry the weight and support the people that I bring. And finally, the last of those five points is that church is love. Many of you will be familiar with the, the verse, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Marriage is an analogy and it points to a relationship between Christ and the church, between us and Jesus. Church should be famous for its love and it should be a love that is unconditional. Church restores, it's like a hospital that welcomes the wounded and the broken and loves us back to life. The unconditional love helps break down barriers. It helps put people back on their feet and it restores and it heals. Church is home. Church is Jesus. It's the body of Christ to the world and it's the church's love, the bride of Christ. So how, how am I doing? Have I convinced you a little bit, I don't want scores, but have I convinced you a little bit, in, at least in part, that actually church is a good place to bring people? Can I have an amen? amen. Brilliant, look at that, rousing. So is, is it just as easy as that then? Well, it, well, almost, but there are one or two challenges that we need to overcome first. The first challenge is um, restrictions uh, in the workplace. And I know we don't all work, but within the workplace, it's, it's not always that easy just to invite people to church, is it? Um, I've been, I think it's been around seven years since I last worked in the corporate world. I used to work for Turner Broadcasting. Um, but since then, seven years ago, I started working for Food Bank and CAP and, and working for the church. So I'm no longer exposed to the corporate world like some of you are. In fact, in my office, it's okay to talk about faith. <laughs> it's actually encouraged to mention the name Jesus. I can play worship music on my laptop, and I can pray with my colleagues, and I can certainly invite them to church, <laughs> although you, you'd hope they wouldn't need an invitation. For many of you, it will be frowned upon if you share your faith at work. 
it may be against company policy or it might at the very least be bad taste. We no longer have the freedom to talk about our faith that we once did. And that given that we spend such a huge part of our lives at work, does that mean we can't engage with the people that we see with the most? I, I don't know if uh, you remember a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, we had a church weekend away and Angela Kem spoke and she said that we're to be a sweet aroma to, in the workplace to those of us that we work with. By building relationships with our work colleagues and taking the friendships outside the workplace, we give ourselves an opportunity to navigate those workplace restrictions and extend invitations to church. Now, for some others, <clears throat> another barrier might be <clears throat> excuse me, um, fear of rejection, being rejected. It's a quite, a common, quite a common thing, I'm sure, for some of us, and, and for me as well. Now, I've been told, if you are a new mum, you can find yourselves into some situations that look a little bit like dating. Anyone know where I'm going with this? Petra recently told me a story about her friend Rachel, who's from our NCT group. Now, Rachel, one evening, went home, and uh, she'd been at a toddler's, a mum's and toddler's group. She went home to her husband, Ross, and she was re really worried. She said, I think I've come on, I think I've come on, actually, I think I've come on really too strong to somebody. Now, that is um, a strange statement to make, but it turns out that Rachel had seen another mum at the mums and toddlers. She thought, oh, she's really cool. You know, I'm going I'm to make a real beeline for her. I want to be her friend. Um, so after impressing with some really good chat, uh, Rachel went in for the kill and said, can I take your number? So she's got this girl's number, but now she's gone to this NCT group and she's just really worried. She's like, I think I've been too over-enthusiastic. I think I might have scared her off. And she was genuinely feeling rejected. She said it, it, it felt like she was dating again. So... Jesus himself faced rejection, not just on the cross, which was the ultimate example, but also when he went back to his hometown, to, to the synagogue, and he tried to teach. The people there refused to accept him because they had seen him grow up. But in spite of this rejection, Jesus didn't give up. He just moved on and continued his message at another village. You see, God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, but one of boldness. And we can combat our fear of rejection by reminding ourselves of our identity, as Matt mentioned, in him. In Philippians 3.8 it says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I think here is our motivation. Another challenge or barrier can be geography. So, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I don't know if this is the right logic or not, but when I worked, um, in fact, I'm sure it's not, but when I worked at Turner Broadcasting, uh, which was the media job I had before I was working for the church, I can't actually remember inviting anyone to Beacon. And um, you know, I'm sure I should have done, and that's really bad. But um, I, th I think the logic that I sort of implied um, was that actually people live too far away. How are they going to get to Beacon if they live miles away? So what I ended up doing was actually just inviting my team to come along to a local service at lunchtime. You know, sometimes they have these lunchtime services at churches in central London particularly. And people used to come along occasionally. In fact, on one, one occasion, the whole team came along to a, a midweek church service. Now, I'm not saying that this is the correct approach. And please do, if you can, invite your colleagues, uh, colleagues to Beacon. 
uh, or, or to a church. People travel huge distances once they have found God and it only takes one moment, one encounter with God to transform a life. But looking back, I know I could have been more faithful to invite people to Beacon, but I knew it didn't matter which church I brought them to. I just needed to bring them to a place where God dwells. So I'm going to talk now just a little bit on, on neighbouring and I did this last year so you might remember... Um, Sorry if I'm going over the old thing, but getting proximate, um, which I really do believe is important. So while I encourage you to build relationships and look for opportunities to invite work colleagues where possible, I think my real conviction is to invite people to church from the local area. What if, when Jesus talks about loving your neighbour, he wasn't just referring to our universal neighbours, but also encouraging us to love the person that literally lives next door or across the road. When Petra and I lived in Brixton, we, we made a real effort to get to know our neighbours. There was one family we found ourselves investing in. This was a mother of three. She had one daughter <coughs> and she had two sons. And one of these sons had been shot in the chest, but he had made a recovery, but he was just too scared to leave the house. But it was really with the mum and daughter that we made the connections. We built up a relationship. I was invited over for some food. And really, by getting proximate, we were really able to help with some of the really challenging circumstances that they faced. On one occasion, I was invited to go in to speak to the daughter's, I think it was the deputy head, just to try and resolve a situation where she had been really quite horribly bullied. And I was there to try and mediate and to try and help her get back into school. I've got no experience in this at all. But I, I was what am I doing here? But it was really God's doing, and it was through that relationship. And in fact, one time the daughter got locked out, and she ended up staying on our sofa. Um, now, in the end, we invited both the mum and the daughter to church. They came a few times. And I know that the mum really did encounter God while she was here. What I was, what I was thinking when I invited her was something like, come and see. Now, I knew I didn't have the answers. I had nowhere near the answers. There were big things going on. But I knew that Jesus did. So it all comes back to getting proximate with our, with our neighbours, building relationships with those around us. Petra and I have recently moved house and we were determined to make an impression on our neighbours. We were going to be the best neighbours. You know, we were going to really make, uh, love people and just make a difference. That was our intention and it still is our intention. But on the actual move day, one of our neighbours was actually waiting for, to, to sort of say hello to to be hospitable as we were getting off the removal van. So, so they were, you know, super welcoming. And then shortly afterwards, a lovely lady from a couple of doors down, she came with a moving in card and said, you know, welcome to the neighbourhood. Do you want to come and join us? We're going to the Streatham Kite Festival. You can come and meet other neighbours and, and, and other families. Now, we have been totally out neighboured <laughs> The festival was actually last Sunday and we got to know some other families on our road and it was a lovely time. You know, we feel really blessed to have, to be in a neighbourhood um, where people are, and, and a community that just um, loves like that. Uh, but we will continue to invest and, and to try and make those relationships deeper and we really hope to see some fruit. When you look to build relationships, take some time to listen. One sad story I heard was from a food bank guest uh, and she'd been invited to come to church 
she had, well, in fact, she, she decided to come to church because I think her mum had died and her brother had died quite recently. And she wanted some help. And she came to church and she said all that she got from people, which isn't a bad thing, but think about this, was prayer. All people did was just pray for her. And she said, you know, I didn't really want to go back to that church. All I wanted was someone to listen to me. It's an easy response, isn't it? Last year, uh, Petra and I, we went to visit John and Sarah in Vancouver. So most of you guys will know John and Sarah. And we found that they were intentionally building relationships over there. They were trying to build friendships with the community. And there was one English couple that had really gravitated to them. Um, they were atheists, and I think they thought that John and Sarah's religious views were a bit weird, but they still found themselves gravitating. And I remember what Sarah said about it. She said, I think they like us because we listen. Just stuck with me. I did a bit of, a little bit, very, very badly, uh, counselling training at Spurgeon's Bible College. And we had a really inspiring Christian tutor. And one of the statements she made was really profound and it stuck with me. She suggested changing the words, love your neighbour as yourself, to listen to your neighbour as yourself. Sounds controversial, but it really isn't. Uh, by changing those words Jesus said about loving your neighbour, she wasn't trying to suggest we replace the word love, but instead get us to examine what love looks like. If we want to create an opportunity to, to share the good news of Jesus or to invite people to church, we first need to, have to spend some time listening or loving others. And my final note on being proximate is that, and I know this isn't, well, I, really, I know it's not easy for everybody to meet their neighbours. We've been really, really fortunate. And also, also some people just might find it, find it harder to, to approach people. I would suggest that we do community together. I heard this quote recently from a guy whose name is John Tyson, and he is a church leader in New York. What would the church look like if we chose to buy homes in the same street and subdivisions, the same buildings and blocks, the same suburbs and sections? What would our love look like if it showed up dozens of times in a week in small but profound ways? Meals cooked, prayers prayed, songs sung, scriptures studied, games played, parties thrown, tears shed, reconciliation practiced, resources given. What if we stopped attending community groups? became groups of communities. Didn't actually catch the last bit. Uh, what if our homes stopped being the places we hid from the world, but heavens, but heavens to which the world comes for healing? Thank you. I love that quote, and um, I'm not suggesting at all that we start all selling our homes and trying to live in communities next to each other. You know, most of us couldn't afford that. It wouldn't be practical. It would be chaos. I mean, if you can, then fantastic. Um, <laughs> But most of us don't actually live too far from each other. And I'm also not saying, I'm also not saying, don't attend your community groups. Um, you know, I think community groups are brilliant and they have an absolute definite place here at Beacon. But I am encouraging us to think about how we can reach communities together. Last week, Pete told me he went to um, take Joel to play football in a community project and he bumped into, I, think, I don't know if it's planned or not, but bumped into Matt and Titus. They were there, and Matt, I think you were chasing Titus most of it and probably didn't have much time to engage with anyone, and I get that. Um, but what if Noah... So Noah wouldn't take Steve. What if Steve took Noah <laughs> and Josh took Reuben, for instance? 
How much easier then does it become to try and build relationships and form community with other parents that come along? Or if you were to hold a barbecue this summer, why not invite your church neighbours, but also some literal neighbours? That way you are building community together. I know I've met some of Owen's badminton friends at some of our church events at his house. And it doesn't have to revolve around the home, although it is a great place to start. Look for some common interests. Grab someone from church and join a club or society, or you could just join Becky and do Pilates on a Friday morning. You'd have to get up quite early, I think. But. And semi, and, and I think lots of people have already done that, haven't they? But Anyway, some of us um, will remember Barry. Do we remember Barry? Barry sadly has passed away. But he used to come to this church quite regularly. And we met Barry through Food Bank. And, and when we met Barry, I quite quickly introduced him to Pete and then Paul. And then Pete was dating Lucy at the time. And then Lucy got really involved and, and got to know him. Um, we, had, we got Barry a place to stay. Owen helped him move house. Val, Lucy and Sarah helped paint the house. And then Phil spent some time with Barry in hospital. Barry used to come to this church regularly. And as a community, we really loved Barry. Now, we don't know where Barry ended up in his faith journey, but we do know he spent time in God's dwelling place and experienced the unconditional love of the church to the very end. There are so many lonely and broken people in our community. I can tell you from experience that I have only scraped the surface in the ministries that I do. If we could see a bird's eye view of Lambeth from God's vantage point, we would see depressed and heartbroken people. We would see families breaking down. We'd see marriages failing, struggles with addiction, health issues. We would see tens of thousands of people just hiding, people lonely and people alienated. I heard recently from Lambeth Council's own figures that 23,000 people are facing unmanageable debt in Lambeth. So that's 23,000 people struggling with all the mental health stresses that debt can bring. Most people have little to no in-depth relationships. In Psalm 86, verse 6, it says, God sets the solitary in families. The heart of the Father is to welcome people into family. Of course, there will be people that don't receive your hand that you are extending to them, but there will be others that you are the only person that they have contact with. So, does it actually work? Okay, well, um, let's have a show of hands to see, and this is going to be interesting, who here has been, is, is at church today, or not actually at this service, but who has come to church because someone invited them to church? Initially, well, that's probably like a third of us, and originally came to church because someone actually extended that invitation. Amazing. Boris, thank you, Boris. I'm, I am coming back to Boris on that one. You're like the, you're like the, the right hook punch to end my sermon, so I'm, 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 I'm going to come right back to you. <laughs> okay, so, um, is that picture up on the screen? Yeah, wow. Does anyone know who this guy is? Anyone recognise him? Fubank? No, any others? Uh, I'm not really expecting anyone to know, but I just sort of wondered. Um, we'll put his name up now. Shall we put his name up? Does that ring any bells? Anyone know? No? 
No, okay, fair enough. Well, there is one person in the room that put their hand up. She's right at the back, so you wouldn't have seen. Um, and I'm going to invite my wife, Petra, who's just passed Blake off to someone else, just to come up and tell us all a little bit of, you know, who is this guy? So I'm going to get your mic. Thank you. I'm not good with mics. I hope I get through this. You will. You'll be good. We practice. You'll be fine. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have told people we practice, should I? I've ruined it. <coughs> She's done it for the first time. It's all going to be improvised. It's just going to be <laughs> nice and natural. <laughs> as long as you stick to the questions. I'm going to try and stick to the questions. Okay. First question, I think, was uh, who, is, who is this person? Can you tell us a little bit more? about him. Yeah, so that's Ralf Schwaninger, that's how you say it. He is a, a friend of mine, he is Swiss, he is a computer programmer, he is smart, he is very funny, very bubbly, he always makes me think of Becky. Uh, he is still single, available, so if anyone is looking yeah, for a good man. Isn't he in Switzerland? Yeah, he's in Switzerland, but <laughs> hey, good trips to Switzerland. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's the reason why I'm here, really. All are kind of one of, yeah, thanks to him. Cool. So, so Ralph had a, a huge part as to why you first came into church. Um, how did that all come about then? Yeah, so Ralph really was one of these people who didn't fear rejection when asking me to come to church. And boy, he had to ask a few times. <laughs> and God really used him and made him quite persistent in his way of asking me. Um, so Ralph and I, even though we do come from neighboring villages in Switzerland, and these are very small places, think about 2,000, 3,000 people, uh, we didn't actually know each other back home. We met for the first time in a Swiss church in Covent Garden in London in 2006. Um, Ralph had also a few years earlier come to London like me, and he was pretty settled here. Um, the reason why we met in the church wasn't because I was following God at the time. Uh, to the contrary, I couldn't be further away from him, really, at that time in my life. Um, I Pretty much, for me, there was no need for God. Um, the reason why we were in the Swiss church was because they were screening all the games of the Swiss national team of the World Cup in 2006 in Germany. And Ralph had gone to um, watch the football and I had gone along with my friends to get some great Swiss food like raclette and all these lovely Swiss sausages. Um, so we met and uh, when we discovered that we were from the same place pretty much, um, our common background made us decide to meet up uh, in the next few weeks for a drink and just catch up and um, actually chat about common friends that we had. Um, so that's what we did. Um, but Ralph didn't stick to his brief at all. He <laughs> immediately started telling me about his life in London, which was pretty much church life. Um, he was telling me very passionately about his church, and uh, he didn't wait a minute to invite me to go along. And uh, I immediately declined. Um, <laughs> I thought it was weird that he even spoke to me about church. I was at the time from that camp where I thought, if you have any religious beliefs, keep them to yourselves, please. Um, I, I just thought it was really awkward, and why did I even need church? And uh, kind of leave me alone, please. Um, and so I blocked it off very quickly. Um, after that initial meet-up, we did meet a few more times. It was always great. Um, he is, is good banter. Um, but every time, he did come back and actually invite me to go to church. And uh, I must add, he did that very tastefully. Um, there are different ways of doing it, but he was always very good about it. And um, he never pushed for anything, but there was always an invitation for me to take. Um, and I just kind of realized I feel a bit awkward. Um, obviously, I can't give him what he wants. 
go to his church and uh, we didn't have many other common interests really to talk about because he was so passionate about his church. So I kind of intentionally blocked off that friendship and kind of, yeah, let it fizzle out. Okay, so you've, the, the, the friendship sort of died a death. Um, but yet you're, you're here at church today, so I, I imagine, I know in fact, I'm pretending I don't know, <laughs> I know there's more to the story. Why don't you tell what happened, <laughs> what happened next? <laughs> yeah, so exactly two years later, and the football people here will know, ah, that is then the Euros 2008. So in summer 2008, um, he texted me out of the blue. I'd not had any contact with him for two years, mainly because I blocked him off. Um, and he just texted, hey, Petra, I'm at the Swiss church watching some games. I don't think the Swiss, Swiss team was involved, but he was watching football. Um, he said, um, God prompted me to text you, and I uh, just wanted to see how you are, and do you ever fancy meeting up? Um, and little did he know that, I, that in the two years since I'd last met him, my very loud lifestyle that I really enjoyed before, and also was a reason why I didn't have an ear for him asking me to come to church, that lifestyle had left me feeling low, feeling ashamed and lonely. So when he asked me to meet up, I immediately said yes, and uh, we did meet. And I quickly realized that he hadn't changed at all. So <laughs> as soon as we sat down, he told me everything about his church and how great it was going and how, what a great place it is to go to, and asked me to come along. And um, I think he was quite shocked when I said, yes, please. Um, because I'd come to a place in my life where I realized that I needed God, um, I needed something else, and uh, I was ready. Okay, so he's shocked, you've come to church, and <laughs> what, what was your experience of church like? Yeah, so the first time going to church was, and sorry, I should maybe add that I actually grew up Catholic, but um, that was a very, I don't know, very... Um, kind of serious um, experience for me. And when I grew up and see, saw and tasted all the other things of the world, I kind of just left that behind me, and that's how I grew into like not following God at all. Um, so it wasn't the first time really going to church, but the first time going to a church where I was welcomed with such a warmth and such a love, it was just incredible. And um, I immediately had a sense of belonging. Um, these were people who actually were interested in me as a person and not in... Um, what I wore, uh, how good I looked, how, much, how many tequila shots I could drink in a night. <laughs> they didn't care about all of these things that my, the other people that kind of gathered around me at that time in my life were interested in. Um, and they were not too dissimilar from my friends, really, in the way they looked. They were like a really cool bunch. Everyone is young and trendy. But um, every now and again, they very casually dropped the word Jesus in a conversation. And that was foreign to me. But whereas before, I would have found that very off-putting and very like, oh, leave me alone. It kind of, it was, it was okay. I felt comfortable with it because there was such a genuineness with which they used the word Jesus. I could see that there was more than just talk. Um, and so my first visit to this church left me deeply touched and um, wanting to know more, really, because I'd seen that these guys, they shared a common secret which I then later discovered to be Jesus. And it took me a while to really get to know that secret myself, but when I did, my life was transformed. Mm, totally transformed. Amazing. Thank you, Petra. And, and what I love about that story, if, if you, and there's so many nuggets to pick up, is one is the perseverance of this, this guy, Ralph. He's just a normal guy um, that, that loves Jesus. And he persevered and he gets knocked back by Petra. 
lots of times, right? But he still goes on and on, and God leads him to, to persevere, and then God ultimately leads you to... Well, your heart changed, didn't it, when you met him? And then the second thing I just want to pull from that story is just the sense of belonging that she had when she came to church. Like she felt at home, like we talked about, she felt this was a place where God dwells, and that was through the people that you met, right? And that experience ultimately sort of made you become a Christian in the end, wasn't it? That was how you encountered God. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. That ad hoc, ad hoc. <laughs> okay, so I love that that testimony. But there's also we have another testimony similar to that at the church. Um, well, similar-ish in the sense that um, we don't always know when we invite someone to church if if they're going to come. Um, uh, and 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 actually, it's God's timing really that people do come. There's a lady that comes to this church who's been coming on and off for the last year or so. Now, she was originally invited by Claire, Claire Dalton. Um, if you remember her, she is now in New Zealand. And she, it was well over a year ago that Claire extended this invitation. But um, unbeknown to Claire, probably like 18 months later, this particular lady decides to come to church when circumstances were right. So Claire, back in New Zealand, has no idea. And she's absolutely... You know, made up, she's elated, she's delighted that this person has come. But she would have never have known the impact that she had. So the message there really is don't be disappointed if you don't immediately see results straight away. You don't know what will happen in the future. And then this is, Boris, stop playing on the phone. This is the, <laughs> making notes, sermon notes, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> this is my, I, I can pick on Boris because he's that kind of guy. Um, this, is the, you know, the, this is the right hook I'm telling you about. With, so this morning, this is totally new, and uh, at about seven o'clock, I get a text from Boris. I do not think of him using seven. Just to clarify. <laughs> no, but God, something had happened, and God had put some reason, me or church, in your mind this morning. Boris is someone I've been probably inviting to come to church for like two or three years. And I know the desires that I know that, that you wanted, you have been wanting to come, but for one reason or another, it's just not happened. So to get this text this morning saying, John, is, it, is your church at the school still? And is it 10 o'clock? So really, apart from the time being slightly wrong, which I told you, um, I, was, <laughs> I was stunned. I was, I was like, this is amazing. Boris is going to come. And I still wasn't totally sure until he walked <laughs> through the door. But I just think that is a, an amazing example. And you said yourself as you came in, I was, I was meant to be here today. Um, you know, God, God had led you here. And um, yeah, I just, it's an example. If we don't know when we invite people, when actually they might come. And even if it's to this church. But, you know, God does bring people in his own timing. So we have dozens of people visit our church from Food Bank and Cap alone. Um, many have just dipped their toe. Some, are, some others are on a journey, while others have stayed to become part of our church. There are many with us that have been restored and then gone on to be restorers themselves. This was the first reason that I volunteered for Food Bank, to offer that simple come and see invitation. If you don't think that building relationship with your neighbours is easily obtainable, come and volunteer with Cap or Food Bank. It is a privilege to hear some of the stories and meet some of the most incredible people that you can imagine. We have plenty of opportunities for you to love your neighbour. Now, it can be a little bit disappointing if you feel rejected, if you feel your invitation hasn't come to any fruit. What's helped me in recent years is summed up in the verse that we started in, 
which is where Jesus replies to Nathaniel's question of how do you know me? He says, I saw you while you were sitting still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Sometimes, as I've just said, I invite people to church who I am sure will come and they never do, while others who seem unlikely surprise me by turning up. Before Philip even issued the invitation to come and see Jesus, Jesus had already seen Nathanael. He knew him and he had chosen him. This understanding that God will bring to himself who he chooses can really hope both, both inspire us and take away the temptation that we're doing it all in our own strength. So to finish, hopefully this morning you have heard a little bit about why it's important for us to develop a culture of inviting people to church. Hopefully you can be confident that when a visitor comes and says, Sirs, we would find Jesus, <laughs> that you know they'll find him here. The church is a place where God dwells and he's evident through deep friendships and family. It's a place of refuge and restoration and it's a place people can call home and experience unconditional love. The Holy Spirit is here and he regularly speaks to people through the service. Yes, there are barriers and the workplace can be challenging and rejection can be tough. But we have seen examples time and time again of how God comes through just look at Ralph and Petra. His perseverance paid off. Getting proximate to our neighbours, building relationships through listening and intentionally getting to know them provides the platform from which we can invite them to church. If we really understand God's true intention for the church, the full glory of the church and the power of the community where God dwells, following Felix. Philip's example to extend an invitation to come and see becomes much, much more compelling. In fact, it becomes impossible to ignore. Okay, I'm going to pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just thank you that this is a place that we can call home. We thank you that this is a place where you dwell. We thank you that you bring people and you restore them and that they in turn go on to be restorers. And Lord, I pray for, for us all here that you might help us build community in our areas. Help us have the boldness to invite people to come and see. Lord, help us to love people unconditionally and to listen to them. Lord, we can't do any of this without your power and without your spirit. And we just pray that you come and empower us to complete your mission here on earth. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.